You're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. I can't believe what just happened happened. Yeah. I I really was so prepared to give the people what they want. Hmm. As voted on Twitter, (laughs) they said that I was allowed to crack my knuckles into the mic. Allowing you to do something and wanting you to do something, I believe, are two very different things. Well, with an overwhelming majority of the vote going to the option that said ASMR, baby, exclamation point, exclamation point, I think they wanted it. All right. But unfortunately, right as I began cracking my knuckles, my system overloaded and our and uh, garage band crashed. So instead, for everybody who is waiting for knuckle-popping ASMR... I'm going to do it at the end of the episode, and I also figured that's a good way to let people who don't want to hear it tap out. Op- yeah, you can opt out of the... the yeah, I feel like cracking. doing it at the beginning, people would be like, and unsubscribe. <laughs> we are done. You know, I feel like we haven't introduced ourselves in a while. That that seems accurate. Mm-hmm. I feel like we've just been barreling along yeah. recently. Mm-hmm. Um, do we have to like be thorough about it no, or no, just no. like just maybe names i don't know okay cool uh i never say this but this is the teen wolf free wolf podcast and i'm julia i'm a little hungover so. <laughs> i'm just kidding All i'm right. christian yeah i just i feel like i always say it and then i'm like one day she you know julia should get it so i i'm flattered yeah but um i'm, I'm just kidding i mean i am a little hungover but also my name is christian <laughs> And I will not be popping my knuckles until the end of this podcast. It's been kind of a weird week. Yeah. Weird day. Weird day. The weather has just been bonkers. It rained all day yesterday. Yeah. All day. And then today it was just... The sun never came out. Literally. The sun never came out. I mean, obviously, like, we're going into the dark times now anyway because it's fall. Uh, it just feels like we had a very extreme shift this year between it being 80 degrees and then it being 40. I feel like it's been a very bumpy transition. I'm not enjoying it. I'm also wondering if just circumstantially any transition would be bumpy right now. Like, I feel like it's hitting me particularly hard this year when I'm normally very good about the seasonal transitions because I live in the Midwest. I'm good mm-hmm. at it. Uh, but just the sort of everything about what's going on is like... <laughs> the everything. Just the everything about everything right now is just, just banana bread. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I sure do. Yeah. Um, But luckily, we have things to distract us, you know? Like Teen Wolf. Like Teen Wolf, yes. And this this episode of the Teen Wolf Free Wolf, we're going to be talking about Season 3B, Episode 2, More Bad Than Good. And it was written by Jeff Davis and Angel Harvey and directed by Tim Andrew. The Dream Team. Very reliable product it's here. It's really interesting just how much I'm starting to be able to differentiate the directorial style of Tim Andrew and Russell Mulcahy mm-hmm. and everyone else can it's just leave. <laughs> Tim Andrew's work is just significantly less wet. Also a lot brighter like yeah. this episode was so light mm-hmm. which was welcome because I'm tired of squinting. Also it was dark by the time we started watching it at five o'clock. I know it's we haven't even had daylight savings yet. Yeah. Then it's going to be advanced darkness. It's going to be great. If you live in a country that doesn't have daylight savings. What's that like? What's it like? Does Canada have daylight savings? I think so. Parts of this country don't have daylight savings. Like, I don't think Arizona has daylight savings. No, I think Colorado doesn't either. Like, I think it's a, it's like a political issue. <laughs> but, I don't know, farmers need it. Yeah. Are there, there are farmers in Illinois. 
I guess. Yes, I recently learned that Illinois is the biggest producer of pumpkins in the United States. Go Illinois. Which explains the vast, like, overwhelming number of pumpkin patches compared to apple orchards. I love a pumpkin patch, though. I prefer an apple orchard. I also, you know what I love, is the combo <laughs> pumpkin patch apple orchard. I meant the combination apple orchard. <laughs> combo pumpkin patch. I, yeah. It, well, the nice thing about sort of fall activities is a lot of them are outside anyway, so you don't mm-hmm. feel too yiked about the corona of it all. I mean, maybe I should. Maybe I should feel a lot worse because U of M just went back into quarantine. Clowns. Cl- Clown, clown shit is being <laughs> like the students have to stay home, but we're still going to play football. Like that is America. Yeah. That was like literally in all in the news articles about that happening. It was like the second thing mm-hmm. it was like students will be quarantined, but football is still happening. Ugh, not the reassurance I wanted or needed. No, no, I don't think football should be happening at all right now. And like I miss I don't, one, I hate the sport of football, but I do miss, like, college football. Like, I hate that I couldn't go back for a game and, like, whatever. Uh, But, like, for the safety of literally everybody, football should not be happening. Oh, I love college football. Yeah, I know. I I don't know I love college football. Um, Even though I barely understand it and I could not care less about the NFL. Um, But, no. No, no college sports should be playing it. Because, you know what? You're not a professional sports league. And that's how the NBA got through their season fine they can't make the students be they can't put the students in a bubble they have to go to class like doing the stanley cup final and like having everybody like the stanley cup playoffs and having everybody locked in like the same hotel for months which all (laughs) reading the articles about the player experience was like that would be literally so depressing you can't do that no Ugh. i knew we were gonna find a way to not talk about teen wolf and loop it back (laughs) into like political corona opinions Anyway, just to remind you guys, you need to vote. It occupies my every waking thought. So, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, anyway, so back to <laughs> back Teen to Wolf. Teen Wolf. Yeah, this episode was fun. It was bright. I thought it was very. Um, I it's it's funny how interesting I found it and poorly paced I found it. It was so jam packed, and everything felt like it had equal importance and equal significance, which just it didn't, you don't need actually. it. So, yeah, um, yeah. I, I think actually, what well, we'll get into the recap, but there are some things about it that I, I was like, I don't need this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of the recap, I think I have to go first. Okay. <laughs> Ew. Recaps. Uh huh. Um. Okay. Hold on. Let me get my timer for one minute. Yeah. Are you ready? I, have I ever been? No. I just like to check. Okay. Okay. Three, two, one, go. So a dare computer being tortured by some guy, and then the cartel lady is like, we're looking for La Loba. And then anyway, Scott is running after Malia in the woods, and he Styles finds her den, and they come to investigate. And then Raphael shows up with Mr. Tate because he's a fucking psychopath. And then Allison gives them a, like like a little coyote lowdown, like coyotes tiptoe. And then Kira shows up, and she's done all those research from the bardo, and her dad embarrasses her again. Um, then Mr. Kimira tries to make Styles read in front of the class, and he has this, like, crazy panic attack, and then him and Scott, like, count their fingers in the bathroom to, like, calm him down, and it's, like, really sweet. Um, uh, Kira tries to bring Scott's, uh, backpack to him, and then the coyote chases, uh, Malia, chases Kira down because the backpack, like, Styles took the baby from the car, um, 
Scott saves them. Braden shows up and saves Derek and Peter, and then Styles and the sheriff duke it out of what to do about Malia, and then they go to Mr. Tate's house, and he has set up all of these traps, and they decide they're going to try to trank Malia, but then they have to go into the woods, and they ask the twins for help so that Scott can be an alpha again, and it's, like, kind of not working, and then, like, they're all in trouble. Okay. You were cruising along. It just was... You were never going to make it. No, it was a bit long yeah. episode. It was. I really think that all of the stuff with Derek and Peter... Could have happened in another episode. Could have happened in the episode previous. <laughs> yeah. They, they also didn't need to break it up so much. I mean, God. Yeah. Anyway. There's also just like sort of excruciating long moments in this episode. Like Allison's uh, hallucination, which is really good, also felt out of place. Mm-hmm. There's more. We'll obviously get there in our discussion. I'm just, I'm, I'm honestly just looking for a place to put my blame and my bad time. <laughs> Are you ready? Uh-huh. One, two, three. Okay, so um, Scott and Styles are in the woods trying to find Malia. They do find her cave, and then all of the dads show up and start arguing with each other. Um, Derek and Peter are still being held hostage, and Peter gets his uh, finger chopped off because they're trying to look for the she-wolf. We don't know who that is. Um, Show up at school the next day. Kira researched the bardo for Scott. Um, We learned some more about coyotes and... um, Styles has just like a total breakdown in class because he can't read. Um, And then they... Malia shows up at the school looking for the baby doll. Um, Mr. Tate puts out all the traps. Ethan and Aiden try to help Scott um, to roar because that's what's going to turn Malia back into a human being. Um, and then they all go out into the woods because they're going to try to use a tranquilizer gun on Malia. And instead they have to end up using it on her dad because he's put out all of these bear traps. And um, Malia is just kind of running amok in the woods and she... Scott manages to roar and transform her back into a human being, and then they take her to her dad's house, and they reunite. You're out of time, but that was really good. I was really struggling at the end there. No, but you got, you but, got to basically the end. The only thing we mm-hmm. missed is that um, Brayden digs out the box of Talia's... Well, we don't know it yet, but it's a box full of Talia's claws. Which, and what a thing to have. I know, and the Oni emerged mm. from the Nematon, which is very important for the rest of the season. Yeah, and very cool. You know what I thought was interesting about this episode? Hmm. How much it sets up season four. <laughs> yeah. It's be- okay. So. Yeah. I feel like they, they've they done the thing in the last couple of seasons where you've got two concurrent villains um, in mystery. And I feel like they wanted to continue that setup in 3B, which is why they have to bring in the season four stuff. Um, I wish they knew they didn't need it. Yeah. Like Derek could have stayed gone for a while. Yeah. Because he just leaves at the end with Cora, whom we never see again. <laughs> Rip. I assume she died. <laughs> I actually would be kind of interested in like... A Cora spinoff? In a Cora spinoff, but I would have been interested in like Derek's gone, so Peter's the only one they have to help them. Yeah. That would have been so interesting. Especially because of how much Isaac and also Lydia hate Peter. Mm-hmm. Like very explicitly, they're just like... yeah. Hate no, him. Peter. And then the twins hate him too. And the twins have that really interesting comment about Peter when they're beating the shit out of Scott, mm-hmm. where they're like, "If you don't let yourself like turn over to your like the wolf part of you in earnest, the worst thing that happens to you is you turn into Peter." <laughs> well, and I'm kind of glad that they brought that in because there is a flash to like the end of season one where where they um, have to explain why the alpha is like. A purple monster. Yeah. Yeah. Like a Scooby-Doo monster. It's uh, it's just like a little brief moment, but I'm like, okay, that's just another piece of mythology to add to the book, I guess. They're like writing to fix their mistakes. 
fine. Yeah, whatever. I don't care. I mean, like, I'm this deep, you know? Yeah. Um, so this episode, we're going to be talking about through the theme of fear, which I know what you're thinking. Uh, yeah, this is a horror <laughs> show. You're right. But this is a particular sort of... It's not... Like, so many of the... So much of the fear is more, like, grounded... It, everybody is afraid of themselves. Everyone's afraid of themselves, but I was, I'm just kind of saying, like, it's not so much like everybody is afraid of, you know, the big bad wolf or, like, the big supernatural thing that's coming. A lot of the fear is coming very strictly from, like, physical, like, um, like, from, like, the actual physical consequences that could happen of what's happening in the episode. Like, mm-hmm. Malia could die at the hands of her father, you know, yeah. if nothing is amended. If Alison Al- doesn't get her hallucinations under control. She could have killed Isaac mm-hmm. or tranked him, I guess. But which, and they've done that twice now mm-hmm. with Allison having a hallucination and almost killing someone. Yeah. So that's fun. Yeah. So it's very real. Where do you want to start? Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about Allison. Okay. Love her. Love her so much. She, she has a kind of a fun part in this episode. I'll, I'll bet small. Yeah. Um, she gets to be really knowledgeable about coyotes the how? whole line about how coyotes tiptoe is so cute. Adorable. I love, uh, and every time I see a coyote, like in life, I'm like, <laughs> tiptoe. Um, yeah, I saw one in my parents' backyard the last time I visited, and I just, I heard some little teen wolf dialogue in my head. I don't think that teen wolf understands how little coyotes are. Like, they are vicious and gross, but they're also like the size of cats. <laughs> They're very small, and like the close-ups that they do on whatever coyote animal actor they hired for this show <laughs> makes it makes the coyote seem huge. Um, yeah, and even when like they're they're Scott and the coyote are facing off at the end, um, the coyote looks like he's the same size as Scott, which is ridiculous. Yeah, I remember once telling like when I was little telling my mom that I was afraid of coyotes because I didn't like the noises they made Mm -hmm. and my mom was like Christian if a coyote ever gets close to you you can just kick it (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I would kick Uh, a coyote if it was close enough for me to it depends on what the coyote was doing I guess situational situational coyote responses for sure um but yeah uh but back to Allison Allison has one of she actually has one of the scariest parts of this episode the most fear inducing uh one because i think it plays into the biggest fear that anyone has surrounding the medical system which would be waking up during surgery every time i hear a story about that um it just makes me hope i never get sick and i never have to go to the hospital for surgery horrifying horrendous uh so she has this major hallucination or it's actually i think an autopsy Mm -hmm. that is being performed by kate and she pulls out her heart and says, this is really damaged. I mean, there's obviously something wrong, wrong with, with it. it. Yeah. Which is so, so, so good because we were talking in the last episode about how fearful Allison is about whether or not she can be a good person. And for like Kate to be the one to pull out her heart and be like, it's, you know, damaged, damaged was so good. Um, and that was one, a really good piece of Teen Wolf body horror. Cause then after they, she, you know, she takes the heart out all of the, the where fellow werewolf, doctors like eat the organs mm-hmm. um so allison you know as much as she kind of is trying to be the one who like has her shit together in this episode is still very much weighed down by fear you know she's the one who has the coyote research and she is 
the one who you know helps come up with the with the trank plan and she's got the trank gun and she's like i can do this i can do this and it's actually isaac who is the first one to maybe say that like maybe she can't do this because she's suffering yeah um which the uh, the alice and isaac of this episode is very good it's very tense. Everybody, I think, has some very tender moments in this episode, which is great. I I actually think that's what makes it so much scarier is that even when everyone is working together and like looking after everyone's best interests, like there's still this like immense weight over everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, Styles even remarks the door is still open. Mm-hmm. Like everybody, everybody is still fighting with that because literally, this is the second episode of the season. And it feels like it picked up almost immediately where we left off in the last episode um, mm-hmm. or like very close to that. It time. does. It's Scott running through the woods. Yeah. So um, it's, they're so weighed down by everything that's going on around them. Um, and like there's Allison's fear that she thinks she can do it. And then when she gets in the moment, not only is she having trouble um, shooting the tranquilizer gun, but also Isaac is caught in a bear trap mm-hmm. next to her. What's she supposed to do about that? Yeah. she. It feels like she has very little control, which is fear-inducing. Yeah. I agree. I, I think that, you know, it's funny to me how as this, this season progresses, like a lot of Allison's kind of traumas from the beginning of the season sort of go to the sidelines to, to let the Styles plot take place mm-hmm. um, without weighing it down. But I, you know, I there's sometimes where I wish there was just one more episode in a season so that we could really explore that part of Allison. Or even, we were talking about how we wish there was an episode where, like, Styles and Isaac have to hang out together. I would kill for, like, a bottle episode yeah, somewhere. Yeah, a true bottle yeah. episode. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I just think it's, it's really interesting. But also she speaks so highly of her character that like in times of immense stress, Allison is somebody who can just be like, I actually am choosing not to be afraid and just do this, which is how she ends up shooting um, Mr. Tate with the trank gun. And it reminded me so much of the scene um, in the bus episode, which Mm. was the, you know, the last kind of bottle episode where she can't get her hands to stop taking to sew Scott's body up to get stitches. And like, she has the sort of vision of her mom who tells her to do that. And it's like, I think that she is like a little bit calling on that strength. And it's really interesting to me that that comes off the tail of her hallucinating Kate. Yeah. It weirdly enough really reminds me of a quote from the first princess diaries movie where it's like the letter from her dad. And he's like, courage is not the absence of fear, but the judgment that something else is more important than fear. Mm-hmm. Allison does that every fucking time. She's so great. Oh, I love Allison. She's People so great. who think she's boring are not watching the same show. <laughs> she is so conflicted. Yeah. And also, I feel like we didn't really get to discuss this very much in the last season because there was just such a sense of panic from like an outside force um, that was like supernatural. It's not like I'm running after a madman with a gun. Yeah. Kind of a thing. And, um, you know, Allison... Oh my god! I totally lost my train of thought. What was I talking about? I have no idea. You're talking about what they, we didn't talk about last season. Nope, it's gone. Maybe it'll come back. It sh- certainly won't. Nope. Um, yeah, I just I, I think that Allison. I, I a little bit wish we had seen Chris in this episode, um, mm. but I actually think this sort of, sort of fear is better uh, played out because she doesn't have 
her sort of support there. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's no, you know, Chris isn't there to sort of logic her out of her emotions, which is um, every dad's biggest skill. It's really annoying. Everybody else's dad gets to be in this episode. Yeah. Even Malia's dad, who's a creep. Yeah. Big, this season, and like, I mean, this in for multiple characters has like big Unabomber vibes. I just looking at him, he, you know, the, the Tim Burton challenge on TikTok, he looks like he's already Tim Burtonified. Like, he's so in, in the so Tim creepy. Burton challenge defense, so do I. So, so creepy. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I, I think that Allison conquers fear in a way that. Scott eventually is able to do at the end of this episode and even styles in part. Like this is really not just an episode about what it feels like to be afraid, but about what it is to sort of decide not to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and hers is obviously like Scott has this big sort of triumph over Malia, but like Allison's is int- instrumental to everything else happening correctly. Yeah. Um, I agree. I also remembered what I was going to say. Okay, go ahead. So, um, we, we did kind of talk about the fact that, like, we're not really certain of what Allison's role is in the group anymore now that she and Scott are not together and the writers are making the very smart decision to keep them apart. Um, and I think, like, all of her uncertainty about, like, where do I fit in here and, like, can I keep participating? I'm trying to build this whole new thing with my dad where we're doing the code but different. Um, and I think that really manifests in the way that, like, she wants to participate, but it very much feels like she's kind of on the outside. Yeah, I agree. I do agree. Um, I think, you know, navigating her way back in, I think even after season two, I think she's still trying to navigate her way back into the group um, mm-hmm. in way in certain ways. Uh, I Do you want to talk about Scott? Yeah. Scott has a really interesting progression in this episode because, well, I think he is actually in this particular episode. I mean, obviously this gets way worse for styles, but Scott is having the most apparent reaction to his fear, mm-hmm. um, where he can't, he still can't shift. He's not even trying because he's so afraid. Like he's literally benched himself. And he says that to styles in, uh, the coyote den. Mm-hmm. Um, and while battling that has still, still ends up having to be like the major support for styles and Allison in this episode. I mean, Isaac is a little bit more there for Allison. Um, but like, even though Scott, Scott can't, you know, get himself to, like the twins say, like give over, give himself over to his wolf half. Um, he still has to be like the thing that keeps Styles, you know, sane. And like that scene in the bathroom where like Scott has to, Scott even can't even be afraid for Styles in that moment, which you know he is, but cannot express it because of what Styles is going through. Mm-hmm. He is so calm. Yeah. Um, a man you'd want in a crisis. Every time. Yeah. Uh, his just like very collected, okay, well, we're going to count my fingers. We're not going to raise our voices. We're just going to be very calm. And I I love the understanding between Scott and Styles when Scott, when they're in the coyote cave and Scott's like, I can't do that. Like Styles doesn't push him mm-hmm. to try, which I think in a different circumstance he might. Yeah. But because they're both really struggling. And even later in the episode, Styles is like, are we going to be okay? Yeah. Like you can't control like, he your sa- He says, I'm not, you're not. And it's like, Allison's not like, yeah. he's very cognizant of that fact. And I think Scott is too, but I think he's much less willing to accept 
that fact. I agree. Um, and it takes, it, it takes sort of his meeting with the twins to sort of start pushing that, pushing through his fear, but even they can't really get it out of him. They can't like get him to transform even after beating the hell out of him. Mm -hmm. And do I think that there is an alternate way to do this? Yes. Although as Styles does mention that Styles also did this to him uh, with the lacrosse balls, an amazing scene. So good. So innocent back in season one or two, whenever that was. Your haircuts were so short. I know. Aw, babies. <laughs> we were babies when we were talking about that episode. That's true. We were so young and had no idea that there was a global pandemic coming. So, so innocent, so all innocent things considered. everything that was going to happen in 2020. Oh, we should go listen to those old episodes. I bet they're so happy. <laughs> I almost don't want to know. Oh, yeah, I don't either. <laughs> I don't want to revisit that. No, I'm sure the, the things that we complain about are, like, so incredibly <laughs> trivial. But, yeah, like, it, and the funny thing to me is that, like, sort of the most primal fear that we have is of being hurt. Mm-hmm. And Scott is so, is Scott, Scott's fear of wolfing out actually takes precedent in that moment. He could stop himself from being hurt by the twins if he just, like transformed but the fear of transforming is actually greater than like the fear of like the the fear of of pain which is an insane thing to me and it's funny because the twins even tell him like you get mad you shift then you can beat the shit out of us Mm -hmm. and and they're like we can always heal like get it together fight fight us punch me in the face yeah and he can't even do that like the twins are explicitly goading him and being like Break my arm. I don't care. Yeah. They're giving him that permission to wolf out and to potentially really hurt someone, and he still can't do it. Yeah, they're offering him, uh, like, what is in, for lack of a better word, a safe space mm-hmm. to, to transform again, and he, he still can't do it. Um, and that's what makes his sort of transformation at the end of the episode so um, triumphant. And it also evolves from fear as well he all of a sudden finds that there's something that he's more afraid of and that would be malia getting hurt and he doesn't know this girl all he knows is that she is real Mm -hmm. um and that also kind of poses an interesting question which is like scott doesn't value his own life as much as he values other people's to his detriment yeah oh what a what a heavy burden to bear i know which certainly is part of his true alphaness. Yeah, I mean, he literally does, like, die and resurrect in season mm-hmm. six. Like, we know, we like, he's Jesus. We get it. <laughs> we understand So on the nose. Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, I just, I think Scott's, Scott's interactions with fear in this episode are interesting to me in the way that they are externalized, whereas I think the Allisons are internalized. Everything happens to Allison. Like, she, everything's happening in her head. That's mm-hmm. making her go nuts. Um, whereas, like, Scott is feeling the sort of physical restraints of his fear, which is interesting. Um, I do also want to talk about Malia for a second. Because Malia, I think it's really easy to sort of be like, well, why doesn't she want to transform? Like, why wouldn't she want to go home to her dad, you know? Well, I think the twins kind of bring that up when they say you know, if you can't figure this out, you're going to be like Malia. You're going to turn further and further into yourself and become less human, Mm -hmm. which I guess is the implication is that Malia has 
become less and less human as the years have gone on. Yeah. I guess um, that, it's funny because her sort of transformation later, like as a person in their lives, I can't tell if it's like because she's sort of a feral child that she's like that or just because it's like she missed like adolescence. Yeah. She just missed like fourth through 10th grade. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she's got a lot to get through in the next couple of episodes and also yeah. seasons because she's there for a while mm-hmm. um but i shelly hennig does not say a damn thing in this episode but i think it's she's doing some very effective face acting yeah um she's terrified to be a human being again mm-hmm. um which i would be too yeah quite frankly re-entering society from quarantine <laughs> was terrifying <laughs> And we haven't even fully done that yet. No, and I'm just absolutely gassed by every social interaction. Yeah, my lovely sister was here this past weekend, and after like two hours being outside in the world, I was like, oh my god, I I'm need so a nap. Tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I just, I think that, you know, it's, it's interesting to me, like, thinking about, like, how people are acting on, like, instinctual fear and how much more you see that in Malia just on the basis that she is an animal for this episode. Mm-hmm. But, like... The whole idea that she she won't go back to her den once it's been invaded, you know, like yeah. there's literally her at life as an animal in the wild is sort of run by fear and I don't know the need to survive winter. Sure, the two important things. Yeah, have babies. I don't know. I don't think she's thinking about that as a coyote. Um, well, a lot of people love to say that like human beings at their core are animals. Like we're <laughs> wild animals. No, we're not. But like. There are so many. No, I have thumbs. <laughs> we can write things, mm-hmm. um, but there are so many instincts that we all carry with us, like our our primal response to fear, the yeah. flight, the fight, flight or freeze or run. Yeah, I already said flight, flight, fight or flee. Yes, you're welcome. Or freeze. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Lots lots going on with Malia. I'm very excited to talk about her going forward. For sure. Yes, me too. Um, I think we time it's time we move into Styles. Also a little bit the sheriff. The sheriff is terrified of making the wrong decision. Well, and this is so interesting in the way that it manifests because he literally was almost ritually sacrificed at the end of last season. And he has seen teenagers turn into werewolves. Uh, and he still cannot wrap his mind around the concept of a were coyote. Well, I actually don't even think it's necessarily that he can't wrap his mind around this. I think he's looking at Mr. Tate and being like, why doesn't Mr. Tate have a first name? He's literally credited as Mr. Tate. This is annoying. Mr. Tate, uh, as this guy who is drawn, uh, is driven to delusion by his grief mm-hmm. and the sheriff who knows grief, you know, better than just about anybody else in this show is like, I cannot be making my rash decisions based on the influence of this guy who is you know not all there and then my teenage son telling me all these different things like I think he's really caught in like this rock and a hard place type deal well it's also partially his own fault yeah for going to Mr. Tate yeah before he had even begun the actual investigation and then stupid Raphael shows up with him at the crime scene which is like if you have evidence that you need him to recognize you would bring it into the sheriff's station or into wherever uh, the FBI is set up and then have him come down to the station and it would be done so formally. Yeah, you would not just randomly, not randomly, but you just wouldn't like bring a civilian for a ride along to a crime scene. No. 
Yeah, and then he has like the audacity to be like, I can't believe your mother lets you run around in the woods in the middle of the night. Yeah, eat shit, Raphael. Dude. Yeah, I just, I wanted to bring up um, his sort of struggle to make, the, str- the struggle to reach conclusion uh, because it is also very much part of what Styles goes through in this episode. So what do you have to say about Styles? I love Dylan O'Brien. <laughs> love him. Oh my gosh, that scene in the bathroom is so incredibly good. It's so good. It's really well directed too um, because you... I feel Styles' fear. I'm, yeah, it's lit so well. It's By the way, it's like lit, so there's like lights on, which is nice, mm-hmm. but it's still Love dark that. enough to be like, this is eerie. Yeah. Um, the fact that like Styles can't can't focus on what Scott is trying to, to do until he, he can't focus until it the sort of panic breaks when he realizes it's not a dream. Mm-hmm. And then his, you know, little speech on the floor about like not knowing what to do next is so compelling because like Styles, I, I mentioned this a little bit in the last episode, like he's sort of seeing like the world through like stroke vision. Yeah. His, when he gets up to read in the history class and liter- like the words start melting off the page and he, he looks like he's about to have a seizure. Yeah. Like he is shaking. shaking. Um, he's also the only person in the class wearing a short sleeve t-shirt. Uh, I didn't costume this. First, Isaac gets criticized for wearing a scarf because it's hot, and then he's the only one in a t-shirt later. So yeah. I don't... Confusion. Um, yeah, you can just see he's, like, affected on every level. Yeah. About the, And I cannot imagine the fear and anxiety that I would have if I walked around every moment of every day wondering whether or not this was a dream. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting to me because I think that Styles. Uh, Allison and Scott all end up conquering their fear because they have the moment where they're like, another life is more important than what I'm going through. And Styles having to figure out how to disarm a bear trap because Lydia has stepped on the plate, which I would assume that the plate is like the, a pressure trigger and that would snap the trap shut. Uh, so I don't really know how that works, I, I guess. I don't know. I was not motivated to look it up. Because um, bear traps scare me. Also, they're illegal in California. I looked it up. So, also, so, so Mr. Tate would be like arrested for having 200 of them. Yeah. Also, how much do they cost? Like they must be really heavy duty metal to like snap a bear's leg. Yeah. I also think like when you are selling specialty items like that, they're generally very expensive. Yeah. I don't know. I've never bought a bear trap, nor do I have any intention to. They're horrific. They're horrifying. Yeah. You said like the thing that you most think of is the bear trap in Saw. It is. Saw is terrible. Like the whole franchise is really bad. Horrendous. Yeah. The first movie is actually very decent and very interesting, but like, um, all the, all the time, like I'll just be walking around having my normal day and I see the woman in her filthy tank top with the bear trap on her head and the little timer. And it's just, how old are you when you watch that movie i feel i do feel like when you watch horror at like a young age there's stuff that just gets burned into your mind oh the figure of michael myers haunted me for years you want to know it's kind of a weird one or Mm. this is a weird part of this movie for that to be the thing that scared me so badly but Mm. i was talking to my friend sam and he was also like oh yeah that really scares me the very beginning of the ring when they open the closet and amber tamlin is there and her face is like Mm. mummified yeah scares the shit out of me i like close my eyes and see that image yeah it's 
horrifying. In like the Japanese, um, like the original version of that, like mm-hmm. the woman has to go down into a well and like dig up the bones of this skeleton and the skeleton like reaches her hand out of the water and you think that this woman's about to die and it turns into this really tender moment of her like cradling the body of this girl who was murdered Mm -hmm. but at first it's like oh my god zombies in this well it's horrifying yeah in the sixth harry potter when the infury yes oh Oh my god that's the i can't believe how good that jump scare is for a PG-13 movie. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, but yeah, so Styles, Allison, and Scott all are ripped away from their fear by the need to do something like save Lydia. Um, and at the end, he's able to read in the in the rearview mirror. Caution, objects in the mirror may be closer than they appear. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Yes. I loved it. I loved it too. So good. Um a little on the nose, but I, you know, whatever. I don't you care. know what? That's but also the Yeah, like whatever. So. Yeah, but I just I think Styles Styles is processing fear in a way that is inherently irrational because his he's in like a fugue state. You know, like Allison when she's not hallucinating is going through life normally. She's on it. She's like very on top of things and outwardly seems very normal until a hallucination hits. Yeah. So I makes, that makes me think that she is only affected as it's happening. Mm -hmm. Like obviously it's haunted by the memory or like the idea that she could have hurt Isaac or Lydia, but like, isn't having to like, she doesn't have to second guess everything she's looking at all the time. Whereas like Mm -hmm. styles truly cannot, cannot tell. And that is so scary. Uncertainty is the scariest thing ever. And like, especially not knowing what's dream, what's reality, what affects you, what's going to stay permanent to you is just, oh, this is the real payoff for the cold open of the last episode where it's like four fake outs. And like initially you might be sitting there being like, well, why do we need four fake outs? But like, it's important for you to understand what Styles is going through on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. And so you don't have to do it again, but we are like connecting the dots there. Yeah. So to kind of wrap up our discussion on fear, I kind of want to talk about like the couple secondary characters who are both support, but also sort of victim of what the other characters are going through. And that's kind of Lydia and Isaac. I, I think their fear probably comes from the fact that they are so out of control. Like there is literally nothing that they can do to fix the problems that their friends are having. And, um, you know, Lydia, for her part, if Styles had not been able to get it together, probably would have lost her foot. Yeah. Well, what I find so interesting is that they, though they both know very little how to help, like Lydia is trying her best to help. She obviously gets the twins to try to help Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, they are so incredibly compassionate in their understanding that they don't exactly know what the other one is going through. So like Lydia, instead of, you know, being like styles, no, you can read, you can try to read. She's like, no, I know that you can do this without the instructions because you're smarter than that. Like you need to rely on your other skills. And a lot of like fear is like having to rely on your other skills Mm -hmm. when, you know, one thing isn't working. And then Isaac, when he, you know, when Allison raises the trank gun at him and he like sort of makes a joke, he's like, well, you know, it wasn't ring daggers basically being like, I know you're not going to do it on purpose ever again. Mm -hmm. And then holds her hand and is like, I'm going to be here for you so that we can do this together. And he's the one to tell her, like get her to calm down enough to shoot. 
Mr. Tate. So it's interesting to me, especially because that they these two weren't they were witness to going in the dunk tank last season. So they know what the damage is, but because they're not affected by it, they just sort of have to stand by and help when they can. I think it's a nice continuity from the previous episode, appropriately enough, called Anchors, because... They're the anchors. They're the anchors. Ha, 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 um, team <laughs> the, And they are dependable, and I, I, I almost think that they, like, cannot be as afraid as those three at this point. They're not they allowed not it. know what's going on. Um, but they also, like, literally have not been through what those three have been through. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to touch on them. I just, I thought the Stidia and this Alisak of this episode was so good. So good. It is, like, really crazy how much, like, it, they sort of make the joke about, like, Scott throwing him into the wall in the episode previous or whatever. But, like, they set up the Allison and Isaac thing really well to not ever actually follow through on it. Mm-hmm. But it all goes back to, like, the whatever the ship that Teen Wolf is pitching to you, it's the one that you should be shipping. The only show that has ever managed to do that. Yeah. For me, anyway. I agree. Fascinating. Truly. Uh, are you ready to move into Q's and O's? Questions and observations? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Do you have a question? This is just, like, a question from the Teen Wolf writers. Why do we never learn anything about Brayden? Because they suck. Because they, they're they misogynist. So hard. She's so interesting. I mean, the fact that she's a merc is really cool, but I want, how'd she get into that? Yeah. Where's the Brayden spinoff? Where's the Brayden spinoff? Also, she drops this thing where she's like, Deucalion hired me to come get Derek. Because she's not referring to the previous incident where she's like, oh, I was hired to, to save, save Isaac. Isaac. We never know who does that, I don't think. Well, I literally just, just think that like Deucalion is paying forward the mercy that Derek showed him maybe but i think to i think if you were going to drop that name you needed to do something with it uh no i actually don't really think so he comes back in the end i think that they needed a reason for her to show up and like if they're like well who would want to save derek who would be able to contact her again mm. it would have been Ducalion. i guess i'm just confused as to why she isn't dead i've never a understood great question. Yeah, i've never understood why she's not dead i mean cool that she's not dead but like um i wish yeah is that your only question? Yeah. Oh, to clarify, I do not wish that Brayden was dead. I wish no, no, I knew no, no. what the I, I want to know why on. she's not. Yeah. I'm happy she's alive. Yes, very much so. Um, I think that's really my only question. Um, I mean, we got a lot answered for us in this. Yeah, it's funny. Episode. You kept vocalizing questions, like particularly about Mr. Tate, and then Stalinsky would immediately answer them yeah. after you asked the question. Which, that's what I like to see. Yeah. Um, do you have any observations? Uh... Yeah. Um, let's see. We talked about how the horror aspects of this episode are really effective. Especially because it takes so much place in the daylight. Mm -hmm. That's the, if you can make it me scared during, well, during the day, good. It is so creepy. Um, I love the roar sequence. Mm -hmm. Like when Scott touches down and he starts to roar and like everybody's head snaps up Lydia turns around and gives like the softest little smirk and it's just so good the fact that it makes Isaac like hulk out and rip off the bear trap is like so good and even previously in the episode like when he gets stuck in the bear trap Scott crashes his motorcycle because he hears Isaac crying out in pain yeah um the emotional connection in this episode is so good spot on. And I think the scoring works really well, particularly the reunion scene at the yeah. very end. I was going to say that. Yeah. That's one of my observations. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I don't have any questions. Do you have any more observations? Um, no, I think you're you're good to go. Uh, I already mentioned that I think the Alisac and the Stadia of this episode is bueno. Mm-hmm. Um, my only other thing is the what I thought was really good was the callback to Styles. Styles understanding that Malia puts the baby in the car because he's she's leaving flowers on the grave. And he's because in the episode previous, he expressed how angry he was last time somebody took the flowers from his mother's grave. So he like really personalizes that. Mm-hmm. And that callback to me was really sad. And just I, I love when you can just show how smart Styles is from just little shit like that. It, I just thought it was really good. I thought I mean, I thought the writing in a lot of places was very strong. Some of the dialogue was whack, but that's Teen Wolf. Give it your all, McCall. I yeah, I love teen drama. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I mean, we've already talked about this, but I like didn't need any of the Peter Derrick stuff. No, put it in a different episode. Yeah. Figure it out. Figure it out, <laughs> Teen Wolf. Like, it's not my job. <laughs> it's okay for them to go away for a little while. Yeah. It's fine. It is. Um, that wraps up my cues and nose. Do you have pack stats for us? I sure do. We had um, four eyes, two claws. One at the beginning, which I thought was really good when... Um, like Peter's being tortured and in response, his claws come out. I thought that was kind of fun. And, um, two shirts just because Peter and Derek are shirtless. Yeah. It, and, uh, they don't really have to be. No, but Tyler Hecklin has like a full on six pack. So why not? Poor papa. You're right. Um, there, I guess you would call, um, Scott's bike an ad cause it is a Yamaha and they did focus in on that label. And then also, um, styles his phone which is an HTC. Uh, no sirens. No. Weird. Weird, especially considering that in the middle of this episode, a torrential downpour started. Yeah, I think that's why like, I lost my train of thought earlier because I was like, rain. Well, it was a lightning and thundering. I wonder mm-hmm. if that picked up on the Beautiful. speakers, on the microphone speakers, Christian. Um, yeah. Do you have an alpha of the week? Hmm. No one was particularly heroic. Maybe the sheriff. Yeah. Actually, I'm going to give it to Scott just for, for the scene in the bathroom. For the scene in the bathroom and the fact that he gets his shit together and turns Malia back. Yeah, we'll give it to Scott. I agree. Yeah. Do you want to hear me crack my knuckles? Sure. Let's, I hope, I feel like I cracked them so recently <laughs> that like they might not go, but if they do, that's cool. There we go. She was working really hard at it. You guys <laughs> couldn't see, but. I got more. Shush. <laughs> Uh-huh. Oh, usually I can get my elbows. No, not this time. Oh, there a little bit. Oh, I heard a little bit on the other one. Um, Christian woke up from a nap earlier today, <laughs> and, like, I swear to God, every single bone in her body cracked. Yeah. It was bananas. Spooky, scary skeletons. <laughs> I am just a spooky, scary skeleton. The thing about skeletons is that they're all inside of us. You should and do the mine dance. Rickety. The TikTok dance? Yeah. Um... No, I do not think I can lower my pride quite enough to do a TikTok dance yet. I also don't think we have the room here in the apartment. the couch. <laughs> throw it out the window. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> anyway, uh, that about wraps it up for this episode of the Teen Wolf Rewolf. A kind of strange episode, but I really think that the rain really threw us. <laughs> um, if you enjoyed this episode, we really hope that you leave us a review on iTunes. It really is how we find new listeners. So if you re- leave us a written review, if you leave us five stars in a written review, I don't know, we'll read it on the podcast or something. Yeah. We'll give you a shout out on Twitter. It brings us great joy. It does. Um... 
If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us at Teen Wolf underscore Ray Wolf, which is also our Instagram handle. And from either of those places, you can find our personal Twitters and Instagrams. I am personally hilarious on Twitter. Um, you can also follow us on Tumblr at Teen Wolf Ray Wolf and our Facebook group, Teen Wolf Ray Wolf Podcast. Join it. Yeah. Hang out, discuss Teen Wolf, share the memes. There's been some good Teen Wolf memes lately. I love a meme. I love a meme. Um, and oh, a siren to finish the episode. So, they they yeah. snuck one in on us. Uh, other than that, I have been Christian. And I have been Julia. And we hope you guys have a wolf of a week. Uh, uh woo! woo.